Welcome to the show, The Digest Show, brought to you by Black Rectangle Collective. On this week's episode, Josh and I are inviting ourselves over to the cool house on the block, the March House, that is. This episode's for the girls, this episode is for the future, and this episode is for you! Hit it! Joshua, when was the... Where's, where's Beth? Last time you saw Beth. Where the hell is Beth? Is she okay? Where? She's not okay. Damn it, Beth! Episode 8, welcome to the show. It's Chase and Josh, the Digest Show. We're doing today, Greta Gerwig's 2019 adaptation of Louisa May Alcott's classic, Little Women. It's ladies night, bro. Fucking ladies night, bro. And I am here for it. So there, so there for that vibe. This movie is so warm, it hurts. It's so beautiful, aesthetically. Now, this is for the girls, but if you'll let us have this for the next hour or so, we're going to celebrate this great film. Stoked about it. Yes, absolutely. I believe you uh, have Back of the Box this week, man. Yes, yes, indeed I do. Okay, so, you know, for those of you who haven't seen it or haven't seen it since it came out, maybe, and you're a little uh, blurry, join me on the back of the box. Writer-director Greta Gerwig has crafted a little women that draws on both the classic novel and the writings of Louisa May Alcott and unfolds as the author's alter ego, Joe March, reflects back and forth on her fictional life. In Gerwig's take, the beloved story of the March sisters, four young women each determined to live life on their own terms, is both timeless and timely. This is very, a timeless movie. Timeless and timely. So, like, so poignantly perfect on the back of the fucking box. Like, that's a great summation. Did Greta write back of the box, too? She probably fucking did, yes. She's that cool. Yeah, she is that cool. So, I picked this movie. Yes, I'm glad you did. I'll get that out of the way really early. I'm really glad that you enjoyed it. So, I, I never, I've never read this book. Um, I, I grew up in a house full of sisters who this book was very, very important to. So, I knew the basic story. And I knew I wanted to see this film. Greta Gerwig, you know, a big up-and-coming director, creative in the film industry. We got Tommy, or Timmy, rather, who we're going to get to. We got Sersha, who we're going to get to. We got Hermione Granger, who we're unfortunately going to get to. I was stoked to see this movie, and I I, rented, I waited to rent it at home, and I watched it, and it just completely fucking hooked me, and I rented it, and I just watched it again the next morning because it's just one of those movies that makes you want to fall in love and makes you want to experience life, and it's obviously really important to... A lot of young women out there, especially our, this week's director and screenwriter, she says, you know, she grew up holding the March Sister story close to her. It's a coming of age story. And again, for me, as a as a man, it still just hooked me. And it, it just reminded me so much of my sisters and my family, of my youth. And it's warm. It's a warm film. It's a feel good movie. It's still got some tragedy looking at you, Beth. And yeah, that's why I picked it. And, and just to it's only Greta Gerwig's second film. And I definitely wanted to, you know, do a nod to her on the show. And what the hell? Dude, I 
might be might be my favorite young filmmaker at this point. Um, we can get into that a little later, but I will say, I just second everything everything you just said. I mean, it's uh, one thing I found in researching this is that the cast and the you know and Greta Gerwig kind of explain the fact that they found not just feminism in this movie, but a lot of humanity and humanism in this movie. And they really, mm. really wanted mm. that to come off. And that's something I'll talk about a little bit more later. But I, I, I feel you when you talk about that, like it, it makes you want to fall in love. And it just because they're all so warm and they care about people so much that it just kind of pulls you in. Yeah, it's, 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 yeah. Great, great it's, film. Yeah. It's obviously a story empowering women and with a, a, a main character like Joe March and that ever evolving voice as this story has been adapted time and time again. I'd like that you pointed out and that the creators of the film pointed out that there's the humanity in the film. Cause it is like, it's not, it, you don't have to be a, a woman to enjoy this film at all. Clearly. No, and, 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 and how beautiful is that? You know, and you're going to fucking weep too. Like, I mean, oh, you're going to, right. You are, you're going to sob. Absolutely, without question or shame. So, yes. we've referenced it a few times, but we'll get to it a little more deeper. This is an adaptation of Louisa May Alcott's novel, published in 1868. Went on to be uh, an instant classic and successful for the author. I think, believe it was published in two volumes and then uh, two subsequent sequels. Um, it's a semi-autobiographical story about the author in uh, post-Civil War America. And did you have anything to add to the 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 book part of this bio? Um, no, I mean, not too much. The, the only thing briefly that I will say is that something I also came across from. So my partner is going to be a big influence on my, you know, uh, ability to digest this movie. Uh, because she read the book this year, we talked. We had a lot of uh, conversations about it, and she expressed her frustration, her deep frustration with me, uh, which we'll get to a little later. Um, but one of the things I came across in discussing this with her is that uh, Louisa May Elcott's um, father and her parents were actually like friends with Thoreau and Emerson, and like they were transcendentalists and stuff. So. When you when you kind of put that context in there, you get that like sense of humanity that comes from this this novel uh, a lot more, and I, I love that. I'm glad you pointed that out. I remember reading that the first time I saw it. I think I was like I peeked on Wikipedia. I'm a serial. Yeah. I know you're. I know you're a purist when it comes to watching films, but I tend to like flip ahead in the book when I'm watching it. Like I hop on the Wikipedia. Like what's sure? What's, what's Alcott's? Just for a second, and I remember reading that and be like, oh, okay, yeah. Yeah. And they get a, it made a lot of sense. Yeah, so, for sure. Guess how many adaptations of this book there have been for the screen? I I mean, I really don't know. I I really hate to admit, and this is a moment of pure like male candor. This was not this whole story was not on my radar until this film was a thing. Okay. I don't know how I missed this. I mean, I grew up in a house with women, but I didn't have any uh, female siblings, right? So no one my age. So I yeah. guess maybe maybe that's yeah. an excuse for me, but like this wasn't on my radar, so I absolutely have no clue, but I wouldn't be surprised to find out that it's been around the block a few times. I have 12. 12? Oh my God, 12? The first film was a silent film in 1918. Then in 1933, there was a really popular one with Catherine Hepburn. Okay. That lasted for a little over a decade in the conscience of the country. And then 1949, June Allison 
she starred in one, and that kind of bridged it. And then and not for a few more decades, until 1994, Winona Ryder, Claire Danes, and Christian Bale, star, all young stars in the early wow. 90s, star wow. in one. And that's the one that, like, my sisters watched that I've seen, like, one time that I just, like, refuse to sit and watch with them. But that was, like, on in our house. So that's the big one. And then evidently, I didn't know this, but there's a, a 2018, a couple years ago, there's a mini series of it that oh, wow. is, is 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 foreign as a, in contrast to America. I don't know where it's it's made out of. Um, and then I just read right before we got on today, there's like a Japanese animated miniseries. <laughs> and then now Greta Gerwig's, I think, instant classic of great, of, great, great term, great term for this. Yeah, of last year. Um, yeah, and I, yeah. people they love this story. Like obviously across generations across cultures it just it sticks with people and it sticks with me and i it's everlasting and people people love it um but this one's a little different and we want to talk about that and why this is a a modern uh, version of this for me the thing that really sticks out like the character of joe march is is a strong female voice and a champion of you know equal rights and the way she handles herself professionally and um, which I I know you want to talk about, but the nuance this movie the modern parts of this film are just about the nuances and the shading of it. For me, yes. the the costumes are incredible. The film looks beautiful. The score, which we're gonna get to, is probably the top three best parts of the film. But especially with Saoirse Ronan and her performance, like her the way she handles her body and her, the tone of her voice and delivery is is modern. And it, there are flashes of it that. Uh, almost seem like it's set in like it's taken from today and thrown into yesterday's world and you can tell that there's it's a modern woman's voice put in the dressings of a 19th century family and I think that's really important for why people were still stoked for it when it came out um, last year and why it was nominated for an Academy Award Uh, and for you I know there's a big part of it that's it's modern that you wanted to talk about well, I mean, and what makes one, it different from the other ones? Well, one thing just to just to speak on on like Joe March and the, the like her modern voice. I really, I feel I feel like I have to preface this with the fact that I'm unprepared to make this statement, right? Because I haven't been able to take in the other versions of this. However, I will say it feels from speaking to again from my partner Victoria, from speaking to you and your experience with this story previously, it feels like Greta is the first person that actually brought out how modern louisa may alcott wrote this story like this story i think this novel is like way 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 ahead of its time and it's speaking to things that we're actually involved in right now in our society and i think greta is the first person that brought that that futuristic vision to it and i think i kind of get the idea that a lot of people who have attempted this in the past have put it in that like stuffy 1800s place yeah. that those that yeah. those things go and and like for me my one example that like you said the shading and I love that because there's the quick little thing where Joe like throws the pillow at Meg's face at Christmas and Meg's like we have to sacrifice our presence because Marmy said that and it's like smack right in the face and I'm like that's the that's real like people were like that forever you know that's not like it just happened there's the familiar the familiar parts of this and the sibling stuff like that's what I love about this movie. Yeah, is it, it's so true to like ha- being having a lot of siblings as I do. That's what it's like. And like one of my favorite scenes 
which we'll get to on our list, is like about like sibling vengeance, and it's yes. fucking like violent and real. It is. And you can like destroy your sister's like most precious thing one second, and the next second you're all stand- hugging each other and crying, and yeah. and exploring forgiveness and guilt, and, and you do that when you have a lot of siblings. Like that's just what happens. That's and yeah, and I, it just makes me think of that and the scenes with big family table even like a character like Lori being a family friend and just being around you know yeah. in and out of the house especially young like i like we all have someone like that maybe doesn't we fall do. in love with all of my sisters but <laughs> at different points but uh, it's just endearing and it's relatable to so many people yeah and so okay so the la- the one big thing that, that from what i've been able to discover that sets this one apart to yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Is the fact that Greta, when she wrote this and adapted it, she decided to make it nonlinear, which I think was an amazing choice. Like, um, I and Victoria and I spoke about this on length, and she agreed with me a lot about that too. Uh, that it, it gave the movie like a sense of like fluidity and like lyricism almost. And it, it and Greta really does, does the, does like amazing work paying attention to the detail it's almost like she has um it's hard to explain uh, but like it's almost like she has these pivots that she uses like where we'll we'll go from one timeline to the other but it's like oh that's it that's the analogy it's like the bookcase that turn that spins and opens into another room so like you'll be in one timeline and there'll be something in the film that's symbolic it'll be like, it'll be like the origin of the thing you just saw Correct, and then and then you like like for for example at the beginning of the movie, Joe is in her uh, in her room writing, and Laurie's character is looking through that window, and then we fade from one timeline to the other, but we keep Joe framed in a window writing. So it's like an anchor. Yeah, but her hair is different. I love that. Yes, cut. it's so good. The, the cuts in this movie are really cool. Oh, they're so the good. The scene with uh, Florence Pugh and Timmy. Uh, there's just there's just a great cut of them it's like a big shot in the way it cuts to them like intimately laying with each other in the grass Uh, the one you just talked about with joe's hair and stuff and that like it's crazy and it's just but again it's so fluid and that is so modern because like you used the word stuffy earlier and this is like a 19th century like old school stuffy big like costumes movie but the modern part of it being those cuts like it's like the like a story of a family and you open yes. that dusty book that, and you read it, and there's parts, and you get young Amy who's annoying as shit, and you get old Amy, and but this is modern in the way that she treats it, and like they used different actors in different iterations of this. There's younger actors for the younger parts of the movie, and they transition linearly. Yeah, I think I'm great that you point that out. Um, yeah. Yeah, and the one thing, one more thing I'll say on that is that I love the way she uses. Um, like she, she uses the timelines and she converges them at Meg's wedding and at Lori's proposal to Joe. Um, and that's when the timelines merge in the film. And, and what's so beautiful about that is after, again, after speaking with Victoria and another female friend of mine about this novel, which I really, I'm going to read it. I wish I would have had time actually, but I, I just didn't plan it properly, but it turns out that that, like that, that part Meg's wedding and Lori's proposal proposal is the end of little women and then the beginning of 
Good Wives, which you referenced earlier. The the book was actually published in two parts originally, and the first right. part, Little Woman, second part, Good Wives. And now since it's been combined into one, right. and it's it's known as Little Women. But I thought that that was also really great writing and really good timing to kind of to use that as a pivot point to merge the two timelines since it's, it's the div- division of the stories. So just wanted to point that out. On this rewatch, that Lori's proposal to Joe, it it landed. We'll talk about it in depth later because it's a big part of it's a huge, hugely important scene. But the where it sits as far as the timeline and how it is a turning point really landed for me on this watch. And yep. I was anticipating it because I love that scene, and I I think that's going to be on reels for those two actors for the rest of their lives. But as far as the storyline goes, I was like, oh yeah. And, yeah. it, and it just worked so well. I just we talk a lot about things we miss in, on the show, and I, d- I didn't miss that the last time, but this time around it was just very satisfactory. It just, like, just landed really, really well. Yeah, and one last thing, just I mean, because we're talking about this particular part, and it relates exactly to it. She does, she has a, a, she uses a coloring technique as well. You know, so when when we're in Little Women, the Little Women timeline, um, there there's a warmth in the color. Mm. Um, and then we're in the when we're in the good wives portion timeline, uh, there's less warmth, although it, the warmth is allowed in. It's not like it's excluded in, it, to make it feel like cold. Um, but there's a sense of reality versus warmth, right? And like the the little women timeline kind of feels like, you know how uh, when you're a kid and like maybe like, last years of elementary school early years years of middle school before like the whole sense of weight and reality like under you understand everything like summer yeah i guess yeah before puberty okay summer summer everything's kind of sepia toned yeah and and, like summer feels like it's like eight years long and it's only (laughs) eight years and you're like i'm gonna do so much this (laughs) summer like that's how that coloring makes you feel and I, i love that yeah yeah, I was just thinking, uh, I remember another scene where the juxtaposition of those colorings and those cuts that's really strong is 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 Beth's, is Joe's dream uh, as pertaining to the ultimate end of Beth's character uh, when she thinks that she she's coming downstairs and then these cuts with Joe's hand on the railing and when it plays back to the real, reality of what happened, that scene's a great example of that too. It is. It is. And it's yeah, a fucking like thirty second roller coaster of emotion. That's that's actually one of my it's, that's actually one of my top ones for later. Oh, sorry, man. No, oh, no, you're fine. I'll just I'll, I'll elaborate a little bit more on why I love it. But I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll let you do it. Yeah. So, good one. Well, let's uh, let's move. Let's talk a little more in depth about Greta Gerwig. Yeah, let's do it. So one thing I found out when I was doing a little light research for this is this woman was like pregnant. <laughs> She's directing the majority of this movie. Mm-hmm. It's just like such a badass woman moment front to back. I think it's really cool. But in any case, this is her second directed feature film. Only second. Um, she's written and uh, and acted in a number of things, uh, most notably with her now partner, Noah Baumbach, um, in a variety of roles. Uh, she's one of, if not the most up-and-coming young filmmakers in Hollywood right now. And for a second film, like, can you imagine a better start? Lady Bird, the first one, and now this one? No, I don't. I think she, I think she's, she has put herself in a position to be a absolute 
top filmmaker of our generation. Like she is of our generation. And it's like, you know how, um, and this is just my opinion, but like a few years back, you get like the emergence of people like Tarantino and Paul Thomas Anderson making like a different kind of film. That's really good. Yeah. And now you have Greta Gerwig is someone who is kind of like supplanting herself in, in, in a, in a place with a trio of other few filmmakers of her age as someone who's like really bringing it every single time and bringing like a, like an all tours sense to her films. Well, I was going to bring that up. So like both of her films so far have been coming of age stories about, about women, which there isn't, which there isn't a lot of, which is great, but also in in her performance of like Francis Hall or something like that, I think it was called like referred to as like mumblecore, like artsy fartsy, you know, downplayed roles for like young people. And then to start there and then make this like Academy Award winning film after her second try. She's like, she's got chops. Like she's <laughs> I don't know. I just feel like it's a really fast trajectory for someone. Like she obviously has like immense talent and she's barely gotten to like get reps in. What's up? Yeah, I mean, no, she's been around. She's yeah, she's been around like for she's well studied um and i think i mean fuck the academy is like i mean you know what is the academy at some point you have to talk about that but what i wanted to say about all i'm saying is her performance in francis ha i don't give a shit what anyone says you can call that mumble mumbly jumbly whatever you want that was electrifying it's one of the best performances in a movie i think i've ever seen that and maybe it's because that movie hit so hard about my generation those conversations in that movie were conversations that happened in our house in my house you know yeah like right and 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 greta greta feels like i was just talking to victoria about this like greta feels like like she would be one of our friends like someone i would have went to art school (laughs) with or someone that you like would have brought to the house hanging out with or somebody else would have been friends with that she would have like interact i mean she just seems like cut from the same cloth and i I love her approach to to filmmaking what she's bringing to it i really do yeah i'm I'm just really excited i'm I'm just really excited to watch her grow yes precisely her timmy and sersha i like I know we're getting older, but I'm just stoked to get older and watch those three people make shit. And I, and they're gonna keep teaming up because it's an early combo, so it's exciting. Yeah, I mean, well, first I think so we're talking about Greta. So one thing, I did, I was already thinking like she's kind of building her, she's building like a, an actor's company. She's is what she's doing. She's trying to like bring in like a company of actors that she trusts and she can kind of reuse them in, in different roles and different parts throughout her career. And sure enough, like listening to her in an interview, she speaks to just that, like that she's always found her favorite filmmakers do that. They they find actors. They all do, yeah. You know, and and the good ones do because you it, there's something that you know, you know, like we know what that's like too. But having been peers and like worked on projects together, like when you have someone you trust and you you believe is a, like a full throated peer, they push you to a place that no one else can really push you to, and that that relationship works both ways, and and everybody gets better, so the product gets better, you know, and that's that's awesome. Yeah, it's really cool, and and again, as she's done these coming of age stories, she's choosing these young actors. Like I'm excited to see, like maybe you know. Uh, Scorsese and DiCaprio did like you know fucking five movies in a row together. It'd be interesting to see that as these careers grow, 
what kind of stories they tackle together. And that'll, yeah. that's, it's going to be fun to watch. I'm stoked on it. Yeah, I'm excited. I really, I really am. I mean, very excited for, for what she's bringing amongst some other people, but this one's about her and her movie. So, um, but like two, I would say one quick thing and then one longer thing. I think it's really important to point out that her adaptation is equally as fucking triumphant and merit worthy as the direction. You know, I mean like this, this writing is, is really, really good. Really. Yeah. Good. I wanted to talk about that. Yeah, I mean, cool. Yeah. I mean, talking about the way she, well, why don't you go first? I feel like you're, you're on a streak. No, no, you go, go ahead. No, please, that, please. I, I please, just, go. well, I mean, all I wanted to point out was that I think that her adaptation is is I mean, because I'm going to talk more about her direction and like her choices as a filmmaker. But I just wanted to say, like, I think her the writing in this is equally as good. I mean, that that was my point. So if you want to elaborate on it, go ahead. No, I mean, I, I it's an adaption, you know what I mean? And I just wanted yeah. to and again, it's kind of repeating the same thing. But it, that in itself is is, you know. A, is a very unique skill and if that's like already in her bag of tricks to see like original screenplays come along and collaborating with you know other successful or talented screenwriters i don't that, that's i just wanted to re reiterate that point that if this is the way she's coming out in her second try it's just like it's yeah just a, all i want to say was just a good sign like her bag of tricks is already deep right from the get-go that's all. for sure for sure yeah. i mean so um the one okay, so my favorite thing that she does as a director and basically as the the creator of this film, I mean not the story but the film, um, is so uh Louisa May Alcott actually did have to change the end of her book. Like her publisher that the the conversation which is written into this film is a true one. And um which also her producer is played by Tracy Letts, which also plays Lady Bird's father in Lady Bird, which I also you you can feel the charisma off the two of them. Absolutely. And, um, yeah. and again, speaks to that whole her building a company. But, um, you know, he insisted like that your your heroine can't be single like they it, they have to be married or dead like one way or the other. I don't care, but it's got to be. And. I just love the way Greta handles this kind of history point on the novel because when I mentioned to you earlier that Victoria and I had a lot of conversations about this book when she was reading it, it's mostly because she was really upset with the end of the book. She was like, I thought I was – because she's a person who's chosen not to to be married, right? At least at the age of 30, we've kind of made a choice that marriage in, in its specificity is not something that we need. And um, – and she kind of what thought she, this whole time that we were building toward this like heroine that's going to kind of champion that principle and be that. And then she felt so let down. And it was another friend of hers uh, that told her like, no, hey, like actually that's not what was supposed to happen. Like she actually did have to change the end of the book. And so she looked into it and then that's how we found that out. But um, I love the way she handles it because – it's like a wink wink kind of a thing because she weaves from the conversation with her, her publisher telling her that she must change the ending into the ending that is. I love what she says, like, okay, she, I just love how she goes, okay, you can have it. And it cuts to like a kiss in the rain. Yes. It's fucking so good. So, like, it, it's like the whole, like, 
uh, the run to the carriage, get in yeah, the carriage like in the so dark classic. in the rain, and it's silhouetted under and the, the umbrella. Are, like freaking out in the car. There's an archway and a like sweep of an umbrella across the screen, and like a full on like Clark Gable moment. It's yeah, so good. And that's actually so Victoria like pulled out the book and she's like, check it out. She's that's actually the chapter name. Under I, the umbrella. I didn't even have to look. I didn't even have to peek at my phone to know that the way that they nodded at that, like, it has to be that that's it's, actually yeah, the chapter. So good. So, uh, and then I just, my, the last thing is, like, so, by the way, like, I've officially, in my mind, I when I refer to, the reason I keep, like, stumbling over her name, Louisa May Alcott, is because when I talk about her, I just call her Lou. I think All right, Lou. It feels right. So, I just like sit there imagining Lou like hanging out with her transcendentalist friends and like her dad's over there, with <laughs> Emerson and Thoreau, and she's like rewriting this ending with like a shit eating grin, and they're like having some wine and they're like laughing so fucking hard about how she's rewriting this. And you, got you got him. You got him. Yeah, I know. It's great. I just I can't help but imagine that. So that's the that's my thing. I love the way Greta Gerwig handles that history point and like weaves it into the movie and makes it so effective. You know, it's oh, great. Totally. Thanks for expounding on that. I think I could have done it as well as you can, so that was great. All right, so moving on, we're going to introduce you all to the cast of this film, and we're going to do it with a little list. We like to do countdowns here. Joshua pointed out to me when we were talking about this show that this cast is made up of British women portraying American women, and we thought, what better way to introduce these women than in true Digest style, the little wink, little nod, and we're going to rank the March sisters' accents from four to one. Easy task. We did it in about eight seconds, right? Oh, it was, yeah, yeah. Basically, and that was only because our brains and mouths could only communicate that quickly. But like, we knew immediately what the rank was. It was obvious. Listen, I want to be really clear. Hermione Granger is a vital point or vital piece of my childhood, my adolescence, my understanding of friendship. And no one could have portrayed that character better than Emma Watson. Unfortunately, her accent is fucking terrible in this movie. It fades. It, it fades. It fades. It comes back. And I have, uh, yeah, she's the worst one. I have when uh, her and uh, Joe, so her and Joe are the oldest sisters, so they in the earlier parts of the film, they get to go and do stuff. Uh, they can go with Lori and Meg's future husband to a show. They go to a party. Um, they're, they're allowed to go get stuff to, uh, to Amy's chagrin, no doubt. But they go to see the show with the boys, and they come back, and Meg shouts, I can't believe she's so white as she did. And the way she did it sounded like a fucking straight valley girl thing, and I had to pause it, and I was just put my head on my hands like this just it was so bad and you know like i said emma watson has put in some fine performances she does great work in the international community but it's also bad kisser in this movie kind of awkward just side <laughs> note your thoughts on meg's accent um yeah it fades um i think i'm not gonna be as harsh on her i don't think like i feel i feel you i really do Sorry. i think no, no. I think what I think, though, um, I think my my feeling is that she gets cast into the roles that she gets cast into for a reason. And it's because she brings that, like, Emma Watson, every girl vibe. 
kind of a thing. Um, but I will say, like, I'm feeling I bad for not... how hoarse I just came. No, down. no, 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 no. Her accent is it. it, it okay, gets cool. Out there. But, but like, there's one thing I could not help but notice. Is I love that you called her my her Hermione as well because when she comes down the stairs in the dress. And there's like this moment I was like, you could fucking side by side shot that for when like when Hermione is actually walking down the stairs in her dress to go to like the ball and like what I don't know. Oh, you're I, so cute when you you're so cute when you don't know what words to use about Harry Potter. Yeah, I mean I don't I don't know. So uh <laughs> it's uh also like what's real quick before we move on, what's Meg's deal? Like she wants fancy shit, but she falls in love with the tutor. Like, come on, Meg. Yeah, on. yeah. I mean, I think that Meg. Some say, character... some say we do have power to fall, choose who we fall in love with. To quote the movie. Th- this is true. I mean, I think. Well, and I'm gonna that I'm gonna get to that when we get to another sister. But um, I think that really what she wants is she just wants to be in love, and she wants to. Um, have someone that i don't know she, she wants a family i think more than anything does that make sense so i think it's yeah. not a fancy things it's just that she just wants that family i think each sister represents some sort of virtue or post-war issue would i be wrong in saying that no and i think that meg represents that like i want nice things but we're trying to rebuild a country right now and their parents are giving Christian people who give 90% and take 10. And she's kind of grappling with that sort of ideology in her life. I, I Absolutely. I think that's, that's exactly right. I think she wants to be fine. Thing. Well, she wants to be an actress too. So there's that kind of idea that, that stays inside of her as well. Um, but, but no, I feel you. I think that she, she, she does portray that sense of humbleness. Again, like when she gets smacked in the face with the pillow, it's because she's like saying, well, you know, we have to like not think about Christmas presents and it's not really, we, we should be lucky and all this. Shut up, Meg. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I, I, I feel exactly where you're coming from. Moving on, number three. I feel like this is just, again, there's, I have four siblings, so I just get this. Beth is in the middle and Beth is what? I was going to say Beth is third by default only Beth because is just the, the first two have to be who they are. So Beth, I don't know. Beth is just in the middle in perpetuity. I know. And it's not bad, but like her character, maybe in the books or different iterations of the film, it's different. It's a fine performance and it's like emotional crux of the movie, but it's fine. It's just in the middle. It just is what it is. Agreed. Agreed. I mean, it, I think what I meant to say is she, I mean, this is a great performance. Uh, young lady does a great job. What uh, Eliza uh, mm-hmm. does a great does a great job. Um, tender, tender performance. But the there's just there's more room to flex in the other two roles in this film, and that's really what that's what I meant is that Beth's character I think falls victim to her place in the order because gotcha. of the fact that Amy and Joe carry so much more just room for drama. I guess. No, totally. So the reason number two is number two is because number one is so good. And this is, as we're doing a little expose on each sister, number two best accent is Saoirse Ronan's performance of Joe March. 
and it's she's great with accents in general and her performance is you know she's the lead character but i kind of in this moment right now man i'm feeling we have to explain why two is two by also doing them at the same time because florence Pugh's performance and an american accent it's i wouldn't have believed that she wasn't that that fucking american accent is it's the it is the absolutely the best fucking accent like there's no doubt yeah it's great like that's and she also like so Sorsha Ronan does she so she's Scottish so her accent is is thick she did have a long way to go to get there but like Florence Pugh's accent is also a lot heavier than Emma Watson's so sure. she had a she had a lot longer a lot further to go as well you know what I mean um, yeah so, Sorsha Ronan's Irish by the way oh is it Irish yeah my bad my apologies folks. I was it's all good. Scottish. I did not fact check. I just did it on the fly. Thank you, yeah, sir. The, I, those are the two best performances of the film, right? I think the best performance acting is is Saoirse Ronan, personally. Okay. But I, I, I do I, believe... I, I would take Florence Pugh, but just because um, I think this is like... For me, unless you really feel strongly about Saoirse Ronan's performance, I just think that Amy has so, has so much more room to play with. Because her arc is the most dramatic. And she's a spoiled little brat in the earlier parts of the film. And she grows into an adult before our very eyes. While Joe is Joe predominantly throughout the entire film. I, I will absolutely agree with that. And so, you know, I, um, you know, I think you may, pers- you may persuade me to change my stance to say best best performance is Florence Pugh. I mean, I kind of, I had her ranked that way in my notes as well. Um, But one thing, I just got to get it in there. She is, she is definitely the winner of the Face Actors Guild Award for best stank face. Okay. Okay. Let's, oh, stank face? One in particular. She, I mean, best face acting in general, but like, she's like a lifetime achievement for steak at the, at the breakfast scene. When, when Marmy is asking them to give their bread, she, Oh yeah. my god, that is like a legendary ass like brat face. I love that shit. It's so good. I want to go to the party. <laughs> and what oh. like what like the, I love I love the scene when she's like don't propose to me, Lori. I swear to god, I'm not yes. going to be second best. I just realized I'm subconsciously pulling for Amy because she's always fucking second best to Joe. But I'm conflicted with that because is that true? Well, I don't, th- I don't think it is, and I don't think I don't that, either. I don't think that Joe, like the character Joe Marsh, would think would Mar- March would think that either. I don't. I, I think that I think that uh, Amy was incredibly hard on herself. Like again, she's like, I'm of middling talent. It's like you're 20 years old. Well, there's that scene when she looks over at the other paintings, and her painting is like far superior to the people well, around. In particular, to the male that's painting. That's that exactly. I mean, oh my goodness, like epic leaps and bounds better. And also, like, so Florence Pugh's acting a little bit more. Uh, she also, in my mind, carries the largest burden for portraying the different age sets because she goes, I think, from like, like, and don't quote me hard on this, but like, I think it's like 12, age 12 or 13 to 20, 21. Yeah, I mean, so she has the biggest burden being the youngest daughter to like, to like, gap that age more so than everybody else that's what i'm saying yeah yeah yeah. yeah. 
and and I'll nod to Greta Gerwig. She does this great thing, or someone, the cinematographer maybe, does this great thing where they they shoot Florence in those yeah in, from from slightly above her eye line, looking down at her, and then everyone else in her scenes will be shot from the inverse of that, and that really helps. But but no, it's like she she does a lot of stuff with her face to make it look more like adolescent, the way she holds her mouth and everything. I mean, it's it's she's all it pouty is, and yeah yeah. yeah. It's yeah, and it one thing I just want to shout out real quick, and I don't know, maybe you were gonna get there, but her monologue about the economic proposition of marriage, do you have it? Yeah, I think I do have it on the list. I think that Joe and Amy and Marmy also gives lessons, which I have written down, which we're gonna get to, but they deliver like the 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 messages of the film. Yes. In all in a big way. Um yeah. They're, they're so the most do you want to save that for I do for, for my okay, list cool. rock yeah. and roll that sounds good to me that sounds good to me uh should we meet the rest of the cast ah, fuck yeah let's spend a little time with Timothy Chalamet Timothy Chalamet as, as much as we're excited about Greta Gerwig as much as we're stoked on Saoirse and Florence and the, the future there's a there's a big dude in this movie and I honestly I'm gonna throw some critique this way. Am I just the resident contrarian on this show? Maybe. I think I think you are. Although I have my points, I won't lie. I have my moments. I gotta be honest. I'm a huge Timothy fan. I'm stoked to see Dune. I loved Call Me by Your Name. I love Beautiful Boy, I, and his performance in uh, in Lady Bird was great. His undeniable chemistry with Saoirse Ronan. I, along with everyone else on the planet, hope they you know get married. But I have a lot of problems with his performance in this movie. And I Wow, really... okay. No, that's not true. But the thing that really bothers me, and I hate to do this, because I'm not that kind of guy. I'm not. But he just seems a little young for this character. And his body doesn't seem... It's just not as imposing as I want it to be. Not imposing. Laurie's not an imposing character. I just want him to be more physically present, I guess. And he's, and he's just not yet. And it kind of... In some scenes, it just it just kind of bugs me a little bit. So if I can speak to that, and um, I, we will we will have like a little debate about this maybe, but I think I actually found Laurie's character to be uh, so one of my favorite parts about this movie is Laurie and Joe's relationship. So they're of course they're like this very modern couple. Who like, you know, the kind of people who like I've never had the privilege just because of like, you know, who I am and how I was built, but like they're the couples who like share each other's clothing and it totally works. They're the ones who like like I don't know, they're like left hand, right hand type shit. And I and I was listening to uh to Greta speak about that and talking about how again how she felt that Lou was writing, you know Lou way ahead of her time because she was writing about this 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 friendship i love that you made this point this super like androgynous is the word she used friendship um where they share the clothes and 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 then and he you know you you also have mentioned that that laurie has this wrote like romanticism with each sister i i would push back on that a little bit too and say i think laurie really i think laurie really is almost He's almost romanticizing as himself as one of the sisters, in a way, because he is this lonely kid 
who has been educated has and yeah, and and he sees this warm fucking home where they paint on the walls and, and they fucking put on shows and theaters. Yeah. yeah, and he like he wants to be a part of that and and that was one of the things that that Greta Gerwig pointed out is that she from her mind that Laurie is the first literary character that is a male that almost tries to put themselves into a female perspective because he he wants to be part of that and i thought that that was such a beautiful thing oh that's beautiful you changed my mind thanks yeah cool cool i'm glad no i think i think that joe and the way she explains affection to laurie is such a huge deal in the film it's such an important message and like she's just like we would kill each other like, what is wrong with you? And just the way that she does that, like, why can't we just be friends? Why is there this pressure yeah. to have romance between us? Why can't I love you and that be enough? You know, why can't that be enough? And it's so beautiful. And it is, it is, you know, modern by all. It, it is that those conversations, like, weren't being had, you know, out in the open until recently. And it's great. Mm -hmm. And But to do it on a, you know, Massachusetts hillside at the turn of the season. Whew, God, gush, 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 gush. gush. I'm just, like, I'm going to work the rest of my life to save money so I can buy a fucking, like, piece of land with that view. Oh, uh, my God. Like, for those real. Those colors. I got, that's my good uh, moment. Yes. Oh, man. I'm moving on to Miss Laura Dern. Oh, 2019 Laura Dern double feature, boy. And with the, with the married couple. Yeah. What? What? She's part of the family. Yes, she is. Marmy is so important. Oh, Marmy. She says, I'm angry every nearly every day of my life. God, that remind when I gotta tell you, I cried because I that just reminded me of my mother so fucking much. I could not help it, but it just did. It just cut straight to my my tiny little five-year-old boy's heart, who's a mama boy all the way. Like, all the fucking way. Cut straight to my soul. She, another great quote she has is, girls have to go into the world and make up their own minds about things. Because mm -hmm. at that point, and still to an extent today, the world is telling women how to think and what to do. No doubt. And Marmy is empowering her children to make their own way and make their own choices and be their own people. And she delivers, like, the moral lessons of, of the film. And her and Laura's, um, she's great. She's she's a mom. She's got mom energy, heavy, and the way she supports these girls and their performances. She speaks the name of the film and the book, and her monologue. Um, you know, she uh, she says brava when she's instead of bravo. When I she's, know. Congrats. It's just a it's a great performance. It, it is. It's it's. Um, I felt like so Laura Dern won for her other performance. But I felt like personally, I felt like this was the is my favorite out of the two. I, I don't I don't want to say it's better. I mean, they're both like, it, but but it's definitely my favorite of the two. Like I love Mar Marmy is like I mean these people are like I mean sh their fucking house was a stop on the Underground Railroad, dude. Like these people did not play. They were sure of abolitionists. Like they, they they didn't play, you know. And it's like yeah, I don't it know. Just to recharacterize like Lori's like role in the family and how he's the rich lonely kid across the street and he's just trying to find a way to get in there. Just yeah. her 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 matriarchy 
Like she's the fun mom, but who also saves slaves. <laughs> so <laughs> she's, <laughs> you know, for no, real. And like one thing, I just want to add. Like so again, I enjoyed some of the special features on this one so much more because I am just again this so story cool. was not on my radar, and I love story. I love stories about women, so I'm so happy that that this is now a story I get to love. Um, but. One of the things that, that she was talking about is that she went and visited the actual the home. The, I think it's called the Orchard House. And cool. she walked in, and she's, like, looking around, and it's, like, uh, there's, like, drawings and paintings on the wall and everything. And she's, How like, cool I, is that, man? she's, like, I immediately understood this house. She's, like, you know, I've been in this house. This is that house where, the, like, the kids have the hippie parents, and they, like totally. – they, they, you know, they push them to pursue their expressiveness. And like, she's like, so I just understood, I think the kind of people that they were. And I think she brings that into life because I believe that like at that era that, you know, especially people who are hanging out with the transcendentalists, you're definitely thinking on that, like egalitarian, like worldview kind of a thing, you know, and expression. Totally. Yeah. No, that was the cool house on the cul-de-sac. That was like the, oh, nuclear, that was. Summer break, that was like the nucleus. And according to me, they make the best brownies. Get okay. it? I, the pot brownies? Is that a pot, pot brownie? Pot, it was a pot brownie joke. Okay. They probably made pot brownies. How happy were you to see Bob Odenkirk walk in the door? Holy fucking shit. <laughs> when I saw that face, it I was didn't a see very. That shit coming at all. No, I mean, honestly, again, new to the story, I thought that Pops was going to die in the war the whole fucking time, okay? I really, really did. But when he walked through that door, I'm like choking back fucking tears. I'm like, I'm into every fucking thing. I mean, I'm like crying. Like, my throat swelled up. I'm like, a face is fucked up. I'm like, sucking snot. I see Bob Odenkirk and just a wave of. <laughs> So I'm like, thank God, Bob Odenkirk. Bob is here. It's that face, like, frankly, I need that. Frankly, his performance is not supernatural, and I don't, I don't think it's like anything special. But I'm just so glad he came. His sideburns are great. He marries Meg and her boy. Yeah. It, he came to the party, and everyone was happy. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Uh, I think this. Uh, did you have anything else to say? <laughs> I think that was a great note on Bob. No, that's all I have to yeah, say. I mean, it was a minor, minor role in the film, but I just needed to see his beautiful, <laughs> smiling, comedic, fucking face so bad. Uh, I love when he he says, "My little women," and that's when I go, <gasps> "Yeah, yep, <laughs> yep." I, uh, I think this might be the lowest Meryl Streep has ever been on any list, but we've come to her this impasse. Her she. I really don't want to say it because everybody says it all the time, but she's so good in this movie. She is, and she's amazing. According to this cast, she brought a lot to it. Um, and really? That, uh, yeah, oh, great. and that it's that little features. Yeah, yeah, that great. little monologue that you're gonna reference a little later from Amy. Apparently, that whole thing was at, at, at Meryl Streep's suggestion. So that's wow. yeah, yeah. I mean, and. And the whole cast, like briefly, I'll just say this: the whole cast talked about in one of the one of the interviews I saw with them, how like everybody but Greta, right, talked about how cool it was to be like standing off to the side and seeing Meryl and and Greta talk, because they all I kind just of got goosebumps. like they like danced around it, but like to like summarize what they were all kind of saying was it was like this passing of the torch, and mm. also. 
And also, they sense this pride on Meryl's face because she, you know, how many, like they said, like how many female directors has she even worked with? Like in her entire awesome career. And how here cool she is, is that, man? Working with like a young female director who's absolutely fucking bringing it and showing people what the fuck is up and like how proud she was. And they kept referencing that. And that, that's like a super cool thing. And it, cause that's one of the things we both feel about this movie is like, this is a signal to something. Oh, I love that you shared happen. that. Yeah. That's super cool. She brings the sass and she also, uh, she also usher, ushers in some uh, virtues of the film that it's it, that getting across about love and marriage and expectation of society and women. Uh, but she's, she's, she's a comedic relief. Honestly, my favorite p- p- moment of hers is when like, uh, Lori, after Lori asked her to dance at Meg's wedding, and Dad asked her to dance at Meg's wedding, and she's just like, "I'm good." Yep, yep. And That's they're cool. uh, they're walking they're walking her out of the wedding. She's like, "Brother, you don't have to escort me." But they're all just and she's dead serious. She's like, she picks your she changed her favorite, and they're laugh. But the, it just reminds me of family. Like they yes. they're they're laughing their asses off at how snooty this lady is, but she's not joking. <laughs> no, I, she's not. She's candid, is what she is, Frank. Yeah, and and my like my I have one note under Meryl, and it's engaged when she's right when she's oh, talking yeah. to Amy about getting engaged to what is it Fred Vaughn or whatever. She's like, we'll, we'll wish Fred you Vaughn, all ladies and gentlemen, properly engaged. And she gives like I don't know, I just love it, Mer- and she like comic relief in this thing too for sure. Totally. Uh, the last supporting cast member we wanted to talk about was Cable Movie Hall of Fame alumni Chris Cooper. Yeah, I just shout the dude out, right? Like, he's in everything. He's awesome. Like, yeah. fucking Chris Cooper. Yeah, he's like the dude's in the background of a whole lot of good and semi-good movies from like our whole life. Like, he re- i mean, he's just. He's kind of there, and and you can tell again from watching the interviews with that cast, they super respect that guy and like what he thinks. Dude, dude, you're gonna have to. I'm gonna have to get my hands on these special features. Yeah, I'll share it with you. I mean, no doubt. I mean, but he he really they really respect what he thinks because they they get the he apparently he's like apparently he's like a legit straight. He's one of those ones that people call like like an artistic actor. I mean, he brings it. Uh, and, yeah. Yeah. People super fucking. You ever seen October Sky, bro? Full disclosure, I've not. I have not seen that movie. Ugh. He's so good in that one. He's just got the angry dad thing. But in this, he's loving grandpa. He is, um, and he's also um, he's also a, a really sad, kind of a broken guy in this. Um, I mean, he. Agreed. He loses with one biological daughter, emotionally adopts Beth, loses her. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He has no relationship with his son. His grandson is his only real connection. Um, and he's kind of aloof and doesn't really want to be in, in his everyday life at that point. But he, like, for instance, when Friedrich comes and tries to court Joe, and they're at that dinner and they're having a family dinner and stuff, he's yeah. there. Like he's a part of that cool house. He's a part he of the is. cul-de-sac. He's in the mix. Absolutely. Shout out to you, Gramps. Yeah, for sure. All right, now that we met our players, 
we just want to do a little segue really quick before we do another list. Spend a few minutes with the score, man. Absolutely stunning. Yeah, I mean, by a heavy fucking hitter. Like, if I can really quick rattle off just briefly some of the titles. His credentials, yeah. Yeah, you did okay. last night. Do it again. King's Speech, Argo, Isle of Dogs, Shape of Water, Grand Budapest Hotel, Harry Potter, Seven, Parts One and Two, Benjamin Button's Curious Fucking Case, and Julie and Julia, and that's just in the past, like, I don't know, less than a dozen years. By the way, I think my favorite of all those, Julie and Julia, no doubt. Oh my god, I was about to say full disclosure. That's a fucking epic pick right there, dude. Great daytime rainy day movie. Uh, saw that at the Manor Twin. R.I.P. R.I.P. Uh, really, really glad that Emmy Wa- Emma Watson and this composer had reunited on this film. Right, never <laughs> felt so good. I was, I've been listening to it all day, and it's, and I think it's a really good. It's, it's modern. It has those the beautiful orchestra strings and everything, but it's so active that it, it has the classic vibe to it, and it's a classic, instant classic movie score. It's emotional and it plays along with everything, but it also has that modern angularity to it in its music that is, again, reflective of what this movie is as far as being an old story told through some more modern tropes. Yeah, no doubt. I like think I think one of the things I love about this score is it's like in my notes it says traditional ass movie score. Like that's what Hell this yeah. is. It's- it like it drives a story along, it, and I love the way that it's weaved in with classical music as well. Like I absolutely yeah. love that. I'm, it's, sure, I'm, I'm sure there's like five or six famous pieces that we don't know that are like represented in the. I'm in the score. yeah, I, I'm sure, no doubt. But there are parts that you get the sense that are kind of like just these little pieces of music that just yeah. I mean, I, th- this person is obviously a very talented you know composer like there's no doubt about that and it isle of dogs yeah i mean i, I forgot that score <laughs> i but, absolutely but, but, love that look movie. at this director did you cool yeah, Brian cranston yes. right yes that's wes anderson that's greta gerwig that's he's making film he's doing scores for big famous talented directors yeah and i mean um yeah uh, and uh, what's a uh, shape of water? Uh, who is that? Oh God! El Toro. There you go. Yes, drawn a huge blank. Um, no, I've been been in some some big stuff, and I think I think that this score. The last thing I really have for it is it really does. It's a really really perfect complement to the film, no doubt about that. That airy, fluid, Agreed. like uh, flowing and lyrical vibe that happens in this film is really well complemented by the score. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, let's do another list. You down? Fuck yes. This is the big one. Let's go back and forth and choose our favorite scenes of the film. Uh, you go first. <clears throat> okay. Number four. So, number four for me. <clears throat> number four for me is one that I'll use one that we mentioned earlier. So it's Joe coming down the steps to find that Beth is, has recovered. And then again, to find her find out that she's passed away. And I love that because those are back to back and those are 
what we were talking about earlier, like that bookcase moment where it's like this pivotal scene that flashes between timelines. And I just thought that that was such a, a beautiful use of that device. And it, it also portrays so well the, like the duplicity of that feeling, like how, how you would have that same moment multiple times and how, inevitably you know it's gonna get to one time you come down the stairs and it's gonna be that but you just keep hoping it's not that time and i just yeah. really love that. i wrote down joe's dream is what i kept calling it but in reality it could be the one time she goes down the staircase and then completely another one but again the way that the like gerwig handles that is just really beautiful it's such a that's a that's a tear-inducing scene no doubt yeah for sure for sure Alright, this is like a super personal pick. I, I call it when Amy goes off. When she destroys Joe's book. When oh, Joe gets to go to the... Yes. She says, I wanted to hurt you and I know I couldn't hurt, uh, destroy one of your dresses. And I really wanted to hurt you. So she tears up her book and disposes of it. And I just... I snap my fingers and point to this guy when that happened because I've fucking been there. I have both fucked shit up and have had the shit fucked up. And it's just such a sibling-y moment. Oh, and yes. It, and, like, especially because, Joe, that's her life's work. And it's just so... The the vitriol and the pain. But then the immediate... It's not immediate forgiveness, but immediate, like, how do we handle this? And there's affection from one faction. And Amy's storming off and expects one the next morning at the breakfast to, like, it ought to be fine. Is she going to be like this forever? If you it's know, not if fine. I had, if I have heard... If I've had a nickel for every time I've heard, is he going to be like this forever? I'd be fucking loaded. Because it's just such a sibling thing. And she stands, and Joe stands up and just walks to the other side of the table. I, I just really relate to that, that part. Oh, okay. So I'm going to chime in on this for sure, okay? Because this, this was an alternate on my list, okay? Nice. First off, let's just get some shit straight right now if i wrote a novel back in those up. motherfucking days and you burnt my motherfucking novel we're coming to blows motherfucker and i was happy to see that they actually did come to blows like joe straight up threw her on the ground and they had to pull her off as, okay as an as an artist and creative person like if anybody did that like like we're talking i was talking about how it i relate to it but as a an artist Yes. That is literally heartbreaking. So I relate to it on so many different levels. So that's the artist level. Then on the sibling level, my my thing that stood out to me is the look on fucking Florence Pugh's face when Very she is sitting acting. there burning that novel. And then when they cut to her sitting in that rocking chair, just flipping through that oh, with her journal, arms crossed, flipping the journal. I'm fucking. Ugh. Being so, she has this like sadism. I don't in know her. You like, like, like this sadism that, like, that's some, that's so, okay. That's the look in your eye that happens when you do some crazy shit to your sibling, because you know how to fuck your siblings' whole you're shit. Wait, up. You did it for the reaction. Yes, exactly. And you're waiting for the payoff. Yes, you are, and that's exactly what that. It's the icy cold ass look, and it's it's dynamite in that scene. Hell yeah! Number three for you. And we're going to four, right? We just we're did four. We're doing okay. three next. Number three, okay. Um, number three for me is gonna be the Christmas breakfast sequence. Mm. Okay. So first, 
when I talk about the humanity, my fucking god. Okay, so first off, I start I start laughing like first when they show Marmy walking through the snow, she's like wiping the tears. I'm like I'm already I lost it right then. I can't take that look. Like she looks so sad. I'm like I'm crying. <laughs> I love you so I'm much. Like, like motherfucking Marmy, what you about to hit me with? Died. <laughs> like what's going on? And then she's like, "Can we give our breakfast to this sick family, the Hummels?" And then her kids are like all snotty and like Damn not it. Happy. And then th- then you get then you get they're marching through the fucking snow, and I'm thinking about that too. I'm like, I'm just gonna hop in my Prius and drive down the road, and these motherfuckers are walking through the snow, and they get into the Hummels, <laughs> and that shit is poor. And everybody's fucking sick, and I'm crying more. <laughs> the baby's crying. Everybody's fucking crying. Everybody's giving everybody breakfast because they come home, and, and Mr. Lawrence can't give you breakfast. I'm losing it. I can't do it. I can't. And then, oh God. <laughs> <laughs> All right, get it together, buddy. Yeah, and then okay, hold on. And then, I'm crying. I'm not. I'm not even lying. Okay, and then and then the and then the pops writes the letter, and they're all around the fucking fire. And I'm like, at that point, I'm just like full blown fucking sobbing. And I'm like, pause the movie. And I'm like, I gotta go make some tea. <laughs> I lost it. I lost it. Heart wrenching stuff. Oh. Okay, sorry, go ahead. It's fine. <laughs> All right, so my number three is Amy Explains Marriage to Lori. Oh, that's a good one. I know that might be a little high for most everybody, but I got pretty personal with my list. Um, it's Florence Pugh's crowning jewel of her performance in the film, and the way she explains that marriage is an economic proposition, either now or at that time, to Laurie and how he just doesn't understand that. Um, it's a big moment for Laurie's character as he understands what, you know, love and marriage can be. And just that the shot on her, she gets a little monologue and she's wearing a fancy clothes finally and she's practicing her painting. I know you love the part before that where they reference women geniuses, how they're not allowed to be a part of that club. What about the Brontes, she argues. Um, it's, it's just a beautiful moment. I love it. Yeah, I mean... Um... If I can't, I mean, do you um, do you mind if I read briefly, like her one little statement about that? The, yeah, go for it. The, so, uh, so Amy says, "Well, I believe we have some power over who we love. It isn't just something that just happens to a person." And Lori says, "I think the poets might disagree." Mm. And she says, "She says, well, I'm not a poet. I'm just a woman, and as a woman, I have no way to make money, not enough to earn a living and support my family." Even if I had my own money, which I don't, it would be my it, husband's. It would belong to my husband in the minute that we were married. And if we had children, they would belong to him, not me. They would be his property. So don't sit there and tell me that marriage isn't an economic proposition because it is. It may it may not be for you, but it most certainly is for me. And it's like that shit stings. And first, the first thing that ah, comes to my mind time. is this: it's like disgusting to think that we like that we lived in a country that did that to just people in general, like not even, we don't even, we can certainly go back and discuss, you know, the original sins of this country, but like even just that short of a time ago, we were holding people in fucking bondage and 
apparently white males just owned property, which were people, and they didn't. It. I mean, it's so fucking stupid. Like self agency in the world. Like fuck. I just. I can't. It's so hard to imagine that people thought that way. Like I mean. I don't know. And I'm a student of history again. So, I mean, I understand the pathology and all the shit and how it gets there and what happens, but it's just so fucking disgusting that humans could be that gross, even that short of a fucking time ago. Sorry. I also think it's important to note that the person she explains that to, she ends up marrying. Absolutely. Because I think that the person she explains it to soaks it in, absorbs it and takes it for what it is. And like understands it you know because he also has moments with each one of these sisters where he urges them to be their own person and there there are examples i mean where he tells them you know you go be you and do you you know like when he's prodding her about the geniuses thing like when he meets when he sees meg god absolutely laurie floats floats in and out of their lives like i've just been that dude in her family like a genial guy that is gets close with the families i just i love it and yeah. like, he hates me. He's like, do you think I look great? He's like, I think you look ridiculous. Like, and yeah. he just leveled. He's he's a brother. He was being honest. He's being For a family sure. member. Um, I love the just to piggyback on that a little bit at the end when, and uh, Joe's going after Frederick, and and Laurie says, I never in my life thought I'd be preparing a carriage to help Joe March chase after a man, but here I am. And if he wouldn't have had marriage explained to him in the way that it was. He may still be lovesick over the wrong March sister, and the, it, it's and the one of the many lessons of this film and the story is that it's okay to feel the way that you feel and still not get what you want. There's no doubt in my mind that Laurie still loves Joe March and always will. But the life path that he's taken to start a family, which they eventually do, which is a, a priority for them, it works out for the best because he is taught and understands how this shit really works and how it's not a fantasy and it's not just all about lovesick puppy dog shit and i love that yeah Yeah, i agree i agree and i think that i think that you know i like to believe that he and joe art could still be friends that they were friends like the same kind of absolutely because i think that the the friendship that they had i think he interpreted as love but like romantic love but i don't know if it if it was you know or at least romantically intimate love i don't know you know there are levels you know what i mean well yeah love is complicated it's not black and white and like when the chips fall as they do that doesn't mean you have to sorry i didn't realize we're doing love hour with dr chase but just just because the circumstances change doesn't mean you have to abandon your feelings your feelings have to change maybe they will but I think the story teaches us that love is complicated and you have to let it be complicated and you can't let it eat you alive. You know, you have to be flexible. Yeah, for sure. For number sure. two for number two right. for you. Number two for me is what I emphas- uh, infamously refer to as Joe's critique from the professor Friedrich. Um, so I love that scene. Um, I'll get into more. Damn, of like you the- do love that scene. I do. It, I do. Oh, it I called out to me. So, so, so much. Um, I'll get into like the the like the male female kind of vibe that I feel in that, and it's something I absolutely love that energy in that scene. Um, but uh, and it's a little foreshadowing too. But first off, I just want to say, as an artist, no one should ever be told that they they are no good. However, every artist needs to be told at some point by someone who does two things. 
respects them and takes them seriously that their work at that time or that place is not so good. Every artist needs to hear that. And I believe that from the bottom of my soul. And I think if that was not true, it would not be in this novel. I love that he said, no, no, you are talented. I can't do what you do. Absolutely. That's why why I'm being honest with you. Yep. It's not, and we we don't need to talk about how Joe handles it because it, that's not the point. We've all been there. We've all had to learn that lesson. Well, that, I, I, I would just say that, okay, she she's mad as a hornet, and she should be because anybody who's a real artist, when you get that first critique, you oh, should yeah. be fucking pissed. You should what be mad as shit. You, you should want to defend everything that you worked for. You should want to fight tooth and nail to, to tell them that they're stupid, and you should come up with every excuse, but then you should go to sleep that night and wake up the next morning and be like, fucking son of a bitch. They were they right. Were right. They were right. That's and what then, it should be. And they respect me. And that's why it, they're right. Yes! And it's a beautiful thing. And it, you have to have that as an artist. You just have to. And you need it. Sometimes you need it every now and again. You know, it's not just Your like life. time. Yeah, you need it every now and again. You know, and I, I appreciate those moments. Like when a good friend of mine's like, yeah, I don't really like the way you, you title your new paintings. But hey, you know, keep doing it. I appreciate that. Shout out. <laughs> I mean, for real. I no, like. Oh yeah. I mean, you don't ask. I don't think you asked me to get smoke blown up your ass. You asked me because you res- you also respect my opinion. You know. Precisely, precisely. And it's like you know, you ask some people, and they're like, "Yeah, I love it. It makes a whole lot of sense." And it's nice to hear from someone like, "Hey, it's a little pretentious, a little overblown. I think you should rethink it." I'm gonna, you know, you you and you take that shit in, and it makes you better. And that's why that's number two for me. Number two for me. We've already kind of talked about it at length. Joe turns Lori down. Oh, get into that one, Boop. Get into it. I truly believe that the angle with which and the the activity of the camera, the swaying of Timmy's hair, how they're on a pivot and they're just circling each other. And as as Lori is begging her to see the way that he feels and that it's the right way and trying to force his view of love and marriage upon her. And the poise and elegance in which Joe's character explains to him, this is not how this works. If we do this, we're going to be miserable. Is I wish someone would have had that conversation with me at some point in my life. It And it's so powerful. And I truly believe that in 75 fucking years, when these two actors are dead and long gone and they're getting Lifetime Achievement Awards, this scene is going to be on the highlight reel. I feel and you. And I just, it's instant classic. It's, it's just the context and text of the scene is modern and beautiful and forward thinking, but it's classic in every other way. And it's going to stand the test of time. Mark my words. I, I, I agree with you. I do. Because uh, what, 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 was the, what was the back of the box? Timeless and uh, timely. This, Timeless and this... timely. This film is going to be a very important moment. I, I just believe that because it addresses a lot of issues um, that we are currently in, and I think it, it speaks to them in in marvelous ways to to some extent. You know, um, you know, I don't, for, for slices of people, I don't know. I think you're right. I do. I think that this is because this movie is it's it's on a pulse. We'll put it that way. It's got its pulse. I. I, I'm, a, I'm a reactionary person, and I was having 
a conversation with this movie with a close female friend at work about it. And I made some flippant comment like, maybe Joe and Lori should have been together. Maybe he was right. I don't know. They're pretty compatible. And she just looked at me and she's like, if you feel that way, then you don't get it. I mean, so. And I was like, damn, you're right. That's so funny you bring that up. So my, so Victoria, my partner, literally as soon as the film ended, which was an anticipated watch in our household, um, she looked at me, I I swear, as soon as the credits rolled, she looked at me, she said, so how do you feel about the fact that Joe didn't marry Lori? And I was like, I immediately was like, well, honestly, honestly, the, like, I kind of thought that she just really wasn't into dudes. Like I, that was just the vibe I got. And I was like, to be honest, I just really was surprised when she married the professor. I mean, if I'm honest, I just didn't see that coming. And that's as soon as I said that, that's when she was like, Oh really? Well, let me drop some knowledge on you. There you go. Like, the book wasn't supposed to go that well, way. She's not in Oh, and yeah, Lou, yeah. Lou never got married, and there's this, like, there's kind of the word on the street, you know? And I'm like, that's, I was like, that's what I thought, you know? So, I mean, I don't know. I just thought it was interesting that you kind of had a moment about that scene and that clip with a note with a female friend, and we both kind of, the perspective. It's just interesting, yeah. Number one for you. All right, number one for me. I'm going to bring a friend of the show that hasn't been on the show for a while now. Uh, Mr. Rocky Boba. So I just want to say, what? Joe writing the fucking novel. Okay. So after Beth dies, she's like burning all her old writings. Okay. And she starts, she's like taking a look at the like the fucking blank page and she's like psyching herself up to start writing. And then she starts writing and it's like, the pages start growing and she starts laying them out on the floor and it's like she starts switching fucking hands because she gets so tired with one hand and she can't stop writing because she's got the fucking Been there. Paper. And it's like, Been there. it's like that is like Rocky Balboa training in the motherfucking winter to fucking fight the fucking Russian in Rocky Five, dude. Like that's some like, she's going hard, man. Like I'm just saying that shit pumped me up, dude. It was bad fucking ass. Okay, and it's complemented by that scene real quick at the very beginning where she's standing outside the publisher's door. It's like she looks like a boxer in the corner of the ring, like getting ready to go fight. And she's like, Joe, her hands. it's fucking scrappy. Oh, she's I coming, love it. She's, she's coming off the bench and she's going to fucking yes. pick up three fouls. She's going to fire up her team. I fucking love Joe. Yes. No one will forget yes. Joe Marsh. Absolutely. Goddamn right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And. The last comment I have on that scene, just real briefly, it's amazing to me how it shows what it actually took to write a fucking novel back then. Like dipping a stick in ink and writing and then having to re-dip it and write and laying and pages that, out and like And when that publisher like has the book and his daughters bring it to him and he realizes he could make some money off of it, I was like, damn, Joe had to like give her life away and never see potentially never see it again. Yes. And these little girls, that's just a cool one. Those little girls fall in love with the characters and everything. Yeah. I mean, so anyway, that's, I think, my number one. I just appreciate that. Like, as an artist, number two for me, critique, number one for me, that moment of, like, looking at the blank canvas and just being like, it's time to fucking go get it. I love it. Hell yeah. My number one, I'm going to bring it down a little bit, but it's not even close for me. My favorite scene in this film is Joe and Laurie dancing around the porch at the party outside the party it the music is bouncing and playful 
and it just reminds me of falling in love as a young person. And it also, their dance moves are modern. And Timothy Chalamet was a trained ballet dancer. He gets to flex that muscle. It's that modern, old school thing. It brings a shit-eating grin to my face. It's playful. It's lighthearted. It's full of love and life and laughter. And I and again, the music is fucking, is so full of life. I, it, I love it so much. I, I agree. I I think that that's, it's a be- that is a beautiful scene. It's um, it speaks to that relationship that that Laurie and Joe have. And like another little tidbit is they they traded clothes like through the whole filming of that. Like so the vest that she's wearing on that hillside. I noticed that. Yeah. yeah, it's, it's like really obvious in that scene, especially. Yeah, and the sisters also trade a lot of clothes, and it like just lends this authenticity to the whole thing. And I found that 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 scene was a really genuine moment. And again, I like to believe, like maybe I'm a romantic, but I like to believe that even though that was like a hundred and what sixty years ago ish at this point, your, your, your uh, girl's still stealing. Your girl is still stealing your sweatshirt for a week. Well, yeah, but you even also back in the eighteen hundreds, you know, you also mean? still dance in a fun way and do things oh, that are yeah. a little mischievous and like you know, I like to believe that youthful people led youthful lives back then, and I don't like to think of that like as I mentioned, stuffy version of history. So yeah, it's oh, right. romantic for me. I like that scene. Yeah, that's my number one favorite. Yeah, uh, I have a really quick question. What Do you up? remember the scene when Sweet Amy falls into the ice? Is that like so? When the shot opens up and Joe and Laurie are skating around the bend, it looks like CGI. And every time I watch it, it confuses me. Just a technical, off-the-cuff question. I don't know if you noticed that. It just looks super weird, and it always catches my eye when I watch this movie. Mm. Um, I mean. I don't know if the colorization is just super intense or what, but it just looks crazy to me. Yeah, I mean, so I, I first off, I don't have any like empirical like yes, this is the, the actually this is the story. Uh, but you but, didn't notice that? Um, no. But now that you mention it, I think in my head because I have been I've been visiting with this film a lot in the last week or two. Um, uh, but I think I would not be surprised at all to find out that. That whole scene was shot on like a sound stage. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised by that. I mean, yeah, personally. you're probably right. Um, it's just you're so immersed in in the nature of, of where they live and everything. In that scene in particular, it's obvious that that it's a Hollywood movie, I guess. Yeah, just always, it just always catches my eyes. All just a random thought. Sure, sure, yeah, 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 no doubt. Um, the other thing I wanted to talk about is the uh, i wrote down professor povs now there's like two instances joe and frederick have these point of view moments where they're talking to the camera and there's just devices that gerwig employs there and i I, and it just lends this personal side to it there's there's a writer is our main character right so there's this sense of like diary and journalistic aspect and when they employ that speaking to the camera thing I, i think it's really cool yeah, I picked up on that too, and it's like so. It's when they write letters to one another, and it gives it this like it. it yeah, I yeah. I actually that's one of my notes too. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. It's really fun. It gives a lot of life to it. Yeah, enjoy that a lot. Okay, so so I think we're kind of just like we're in the part where we want to like shout out some of our favorite things about this movie that don't really fit into a category. And one thing I just want to say is the dog. The dog is off the leash. Thank you, and. Watching this movie, and maybe it's a little bit of the the marijuana 
but I came to realize that I think the piano is the absolute peak of human creation, and it's the most beautiful thing that ever happened, and the most beautiful sounds that ever could exist come from that thing when it is played properly. So I just decided on that in my own self. Um, shout, out, shout out to you, Beth. Shout out to the piano and Beth and to Frederick for hitting it up that one little time. Uh, but one big thing, I got a favorite quote of this movie that I didn't really expect. And for me, it's a comedy quote, which is hard and much needed in this movie. But it is delivered from our best performance of the film that you know, Amy uh, Florence, I call, 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 I call her Flo, by the way, Flo Pew. Um and I love when she's coming back from school after she's drawn the naughty picture at school. And she walks by, she's like talking to Lori, and she says, I would have never sprained my ankle. I have lovely small feet, best in the family. And then she's and making then, a cast. I'm making a cast yes! on my foot to remind Lori how nice my feet are. Exactly. I know. And it's like, it's so obvious. Like the whole time, like before you even know that she's like in love with him and they, they're going to get married. Like it's obvious when you rewatch this. He's half Italian. Yeah, she's like so in love with him the whole time. She's drawing the portrait of him first, you know, and all that good stuff. Yeah. I have two other quotes I wanted to share. The one, one is uh, a Meryl quote, and she says, It's possible to be right and foolish. I love that line. I like that too. I like the that. Other, I believe that. The other line is, um, I think it's Meg. Someone's explaining it to Meg. I'm I fucked up on this one. I'm sorry, but it's just I don't know who is teaching this lesson to who. But wanting to be loved is not the same as loving. I think that might be a Marmy. I think it might be, and I think that's with um, that might be in the conversation that Marmy is having with Joe in the in the top floor. Oh, when she's wishing that Laurie would propose again, she goes, "Well, if he does it again, yeah. I'll accept." And and, and she says, and she, she says, also I'm says, so "I'm so lonely, so that shit, lonely." That shit broke my heart. And she also says, uh, "You know, because Marmy keeps asking her." Um, you know, but do you love him? But do you love him? And she says, I think it better. I think I care more to be loved. And it's because and and it's like, again, I think that that's that that's the peak of the writing in that film, because or, or that maybe even the novel after I read it, because after that point is when she submits to the idea that she needs to get married. And maybe that's part of this rewrite that's so like infamous. But but like, yeah, I mean, I get it. Like, because if you're trapped in that world when you can't be you, I mean, and let's, I, I mean, I don't know. I'm not going to speculate on what, what her preferences were. But it, like I said, my opinion when I was asked by my partner is that, yeah, I just felt like she kind of wasn't into men. Like, she loved Lori as a really good friend, but she just didn't feel like she could love him that way. And uh, to be trapped in a world back then, and plus, you know, Lou has this famous quote about feeling like she was a male soul trapped in a female's body. Like she's saying that a fucking what a hundred and what sixty years ago. I mean, this is not this is not a problem that just came up, and this is something that people have been going through for a really long time. And I feel like I I just I feel like that that uh, I don't know. I guess I kind of lost my train of thought. I suppose. Help me oh, out. Good. Well, we've talked a lot about the youth of this film and the acting and directing, and it makes us excited for the future 
to what films are coming our way, what stories are coming our way, what's going to be adapted, what's going to be originally thought, and also culturally what this movie means and, you know, timely and timeless. And I just want to talk about why this movie makes us hopeful. And for you, what is it? Yeah, I mean, so for me, it's... I mean, I've shouted it out before, but, like, I grew up with a single mother that I absolutely adored and admired, was my complete fucking hero. And, I mean, so, like, when I watch movies and stuff, I've always enjoyed, like, action heroes. Yeah, that shit's cool. Like, dude beat somebody up, saves a day, or is, like, smarter than the other guy. Cool, hurrah. But, like, I've just been drawn to stories where they're like strong like female women and not even like strong in that sense but just like stories about that are about women that that like actually share a genuine perspective and i love seeing that and i and i'm hopeful that we're living in an in an age when the tide's kind of starting to turn where the like the hard work that have been put in from people like Louisa May Alcott all the way up to this cast and this director are starting to like really turn the tide to where there's going to be a more equal playing field for these kind of stories to be out there. That that's what I'm like pumped on. I think it's going to happen whether people are ready for it or not. <laughs> and I'm, I'm pumped on it. Well, I'm ready for it. So cheers. Hell to yeah. That shit's knit. I think I'd like to dedicate this episode. We should pour one out for Beth. Pour one out for Beth. Yes, we should pour one. Can I just tell you one thing really quick? Special features? A little bit that I think you will love. The last shot, Joe's watching her book be made in this beautiful old school style where this person is making the book by hand, every bit of it, typeface, print. You know, that shit was amazing. Oh. So I found out that while they were filming this on the speaker on the set, they were Sarsha like insisted and Greta very happily obliged that that they blast Moon Age Daydream. Freak out in a Moon Age Daydream. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, and like so and it just next time you watch the movie in closing, imagine that pumping in the background while you watch that that's all i got you're right i did love that (laughs) cheers to beth cheers to ladies night cheers to good movies to the birds cheers to the future and fucking hallelujah (laughs) 